Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. And it is time, if you will. It is time. Isaiah chapter 40. Let's get into the word of God. Let's see what the Lord has to say. God made a promise to Israel that one day her days of suffering would end and God would provide forgiveness. There was judgment on Israel, but one day God said, your time of suffering will end and God will provide forgiveness. But I want for us to to examine what's said in Isaiah 40, very famous passage that really relates to us at Bethel and actually relates very much to the founding of this congregation, if you remember a message I gave a few years ago. Isaiah 40, verse 1, comfort, God says, comfort, comfort my people. Talking about the Jewish people, says your God. Speak kindly to the heart of Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed. And she has received from Adonai's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out in the wilderness, prepare the way of Adonai. Mm, Important. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Wow. Matthew chapter 3. And this prophecy was fulfilled, at least in major part, through Yochanan, John the Immerser. Right? But so, So what we read here in Isaiah, the prophecy that goes out, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Uh, the, 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 the time of the judgment is coming to a close, and there's a time for forgiveness. Now, a time for forgiveness doesn't mean everything's necessarily going to be all easy. It's not. But nonetheless, with forgiveness, hey, listen, you can deal with stuff if you've got forgiveness. But prepare the way for Adonai. Prepare the way for a time that's coming when I'm going to send my forgiveness. This is the prophecy. And we read in Matthew chapter 3 that this is in large part fulfilled by Yochanan, John the Immerser, who is in himself a troubadour, a preparer of the way of, in this case, Messiah, of Moshiach. Why? Because Messiah is the one who will bring forgiveness. And so here it is, John is called to prepare the way for the Messiah. Matthew chapter 3, verse 1. In those days, John the Immerser came, proclaiming in the wilderness of Judea, turn away from your sins, for the kingdom of heaven is near. For he is the one, meaning he being John, is the one Isaiah the prophet spoke about, saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of Adonai and make his paths straight. Okay, friends, see, John was preparing the pathway for Yeshua. This is what Yochanan was doing. He was clearing the ground. He was, he was preparing 
for the entrance of Messiah. He was calling for repentance, right? He was, that's what his whole call was. If you read John, Yochanan the Immerser, it was like nonstop, repent, repent for the kingdom of God's here. Repent, repent. He was calling for repentance and, and, and be an immersion, right? He was calling for repentance so people's hearts would be ready for Yeshua's coming. Okay, you see, he was preparing the way it was right there. And, and we're talking about preparing right there when Yeshua was on the scene. He was literally alive right then. Uh, and he was re related, I mean, almost the same age as John. So we're talking about a really, just a, right before Yeshua walks in the door, and finally Yeshua walks up to John, you know, and, and it's just absolutely an amazing scene. And there, this is a critical role here, friends, for preparers. But guess what? Even preparers have to themselves prepare. You got to prepare if you're going to be preparing others. You got to prepare yourself. And, and I want to tell you something that will come as no surprise to you. The musicians today, Damien, did you arrive here a little, did you arrive here early? Did you prepare? Did you practice before you played today? Yeah, you did. Okay, it's good. I mean, he's like, I hope it's obvious. <laughs> it is obvious. You know, that was beautiful music. Had a, that one part with that really pretty guitar solo in there that was just so melodic and beautiful. And it's clear that that was not the first time that you were just doing that ad lib. You, you had looked at that. You had thought about it. You had practiced it. You had prepared for that moment. And then, boom, there it was. There was the moment where they played. And it ministered to all of us. Right? There was that moment. The music, they, they rehearsed, they prepared, they got ready. The, the way must be prepared. And, and, you know, in many ways, I really think that the worship team prepares us all to receive from the Lord. You know, we receive from the Lord from the worship uh, and Dainu. You know, that's enough. But also, I think it prepares our hearts to receive from the Word itself through the message also. It's one of the reasons why I love the, the music and the worship. It just kind of like clears the path for me walking up here giving you word, right? Do you see how they're preparing the way? They are preparers, but they themselves as preparers needed to prepare. You know, and, and it's also interesting, closer the, you get to the service time, the more it's like, I, I think of it almost like this way. You know, when we get ready for this service, especially since we've been uh, streaming with, with, the, with the live stream because we're very much tied, the start of the service is tied to the clock. I have a clock in the back of, the, uh, of our sanctuary area there that I can see that we had installed just when we started live streaming that wasn't there before. And this clock is what I have to look at to determine when we are going to, to begin. In fact, I'll tell you some useless trivia. Actually, our Friday night services actually start since we've live streamed one minute later than they always have for the last 20 years. Why? Because I used to start the services one minute early. And so you remember that, don't you? Yeah. And so it's like, well, we can't do that anymore. Oh, that's okay. So we started, we started right at 8 o'clock is when we stream. I told you it was useless trivia. Okay, I did warn you. Thank you very much. Okay, but, but, but like when, we, when we're about to start, y'all, when, when we stand here, and those of you who are here <coughs> on time, I uh, know, uh, <laughs> I'm just, just messing with you, listen, I know traffic, listen. Okay, when, when, when we're here about to start, and, and I'm standing here, and I'm watching that clock, as that clock's ticking down, I'm saying, okay, sometimes I'll tell the congregation, okay, we're going to start in like 15 seconds, y'all. To, to a certain extent, when, when we're in that moment, it's kind of like that moment before the race starts, right, where you say, on your mark, get set, 
go. You know, it's like that. You know, it's on your mark. You can imagine a race like that. On your mark. Get set. Go. Okay, boom. And I said, watch that clock. And boom. When it's, time, when it's time to go, man, boom, we're going. We're moving. We're moving forward with our service. And, and we're enjoying the, the, the presence of the Lord. Uh, and let me tell you, you, you think about this. Track athletes or, or gymnasts or Olympic skiers. We've seen a lot of that in the Olympics here uh, recently. Wow, the whole skating thing. Man, that was, ooh, man, that was crazy. Anyway, if you, if you missed it. Uh, in any case, you know, you think about these folks right before the time when they're about to start. I mean, the, the, the skaters, man, they, they skate around the ice rink and then they kind of get there in that position and then they stop with a, on a big kind of twirl and at the end and they, they freeze. And then they're ready for the music, you know, and they always, they always kind of strike a pose. I should do that on Fridays. No, <laughs> Damien has not and said, no, please, Rabbi. I'm, I'm just thinking that every time the live stream starts, maybe. <laughs> I should do, I mean, it works for the Olympics, you know, skaters. I, no, no, he's just telling me, no, I understand. I'm already, that already probably going to generate a few memes. I, I get that. Oh, my goodness. Okay, <laughs> but, but for all of the above, your, your track athletes, right, when they're, they're coming to the track at, uh, for the Olympics and they're running a race, right, whatever it is, there, there are these few moments on your mark, on your mark, right? And those, those are critical, critical moments. And when you hear that, when you hear on your mark, I mean, listen, you know, the, the, the athletes, the the people, they're, they're getting ready and, you know, and they're, they're hitting their legs a lot of times and trying to, ooh, kind of get ready and, okay, here we go. I should do that too. I'm, I should, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Hey, who, ha. <laughs> people would leave in droves. Uh, <laughs> but, but you know what I'm talking about. They're get, can I get ready? And then, and then you hear the, the, the person, the, 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 the official. On your mark, okay, you're here on your mark, man. The time for all that is over, right? You know, what do you do? You go to your, you go to your mark. You go to the place where you're, about, where you're about to race. When you hear that, you gotta be clear-minded, man. You gotta be focused. You can't be distracted. You can't be in a state of confusion. You have to be ready to go. You've already practiced. When you hear on your mark, You've already practiced. Now it's game time. It's game time. On your mark means that you should put yourself in the correct position to run your race. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, please. 1 Corinthians 9. On your mark. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, bavakasha, which means please. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 25 Every competitor, Rabbi Shul says, every competitor exercises self-control in all respects. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we do it to receive an imperishable one. So I run in this way, not aimlessly. So I box in this way, not beating the air. Rather, I punish my body and bring it into submission. What does it say, friends? It's self-control in all respects. Self-control 
in all respects. When you are at that point for the race, okay, for sure, I'm definitely talking about the next chapter here at Beth Hillel. I really think that we are on the precipice of a new day here at Beth Hillel. I really believe this, y'all. We are in, in, on the precipice of a new day. I'm excited with you about what the Lord has next for us all. It's going to be a blessing. But this also applies to your personal life as well. Do you want to box aimlessly? No, 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 friends. Boxing aimlessly, it would take a lucky shot to, to hit anything. You, you're not going to box aimlessly. That, that's pointless, foolish, and you're going to be hitting the, the canvas because you're going to get knocked out. No, you don't box aimlessly. Do you want to waste time, take up space, and not be ready when the gun goes off? You know, you don't, want, you don't want to do that. You want to be ready when that gun goes off, when they say, ready, get ready, you know, on your mark, get set. Okay, you want to be ready because you know what's coming next is that gun, which means the race is starting. You got to go. You got to move forward. And if you're going to be ready, friends, it takes self-control. What does it say? Self-control in all respects. I'm talking beyond practice. And I talked about practice, uh, I don't know, some number of months ago. I'm saying it's game time, and you are near the starting place. On your mark, on your mark, do you want to do what God has called you to do? I'm not, I'm not saying that, you know, well, has God called me to, to move to a different country and, and, and change the world? I'm not talking, you don't think in these terms like, I am talking about whatever it is that God has called you. It might be what he has called you to do that morning when you wake up. It doesn't have to be something grandiose. People have this in their mind, like God only works in grandiose ways. Friends, he most commonly works in small ways, in little ways in our lives. Or are you too focused on petty things? So many people are focused on petty things. Are you distracted maybe that somebody does not greet you? Or, or do you take offense at others easily? Do you feel the need to clap back at other people? Beloved, I'm telling you something, and maybe you've picked up on this too yourselves. The older I get, the more I realize we need to brush off most of the petty things. Brush off most of the petty things, y'all. Come on. This is what we need to be doing more in our lives. Pray, listen, just brush off most of the, uh, of the petty stuff. It's so easy to get enwrapped by it. It's so easy to get fixated upon it. No, friends, we just gotta brush that stuff off. The adversary uses these things to distract us from our race. On your mark, on your mark, on your mark means get ready. The race is gonna be, get, be beginning in just a minute. Whatever, in just seconds. Whatever that race that God has called you to in whatever area it is, and it's so easy to be distracted. Now listen, I'm not saying that the race is going to be easy. In fact, I'm saying on the contrary, it's very likely not to be easy. Consider the fact that many people's race of choice are the hurdles. <laughs> I think that oftentimes that's probably closer to what we all have to navigate in the race of life are the hurdles. So I'm not, I'm not saying if you're perfectly focused right there when you're on your mark that that's all you have to do and then, hey, you won the race. No, 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 no. Hey, I'm, I'm readily admit 
If the race is hurdles, that's just getting you prepared to face the hurdles. You still got to face the hurdles. That's in the race. You see, I'm talking about on your mark. It's all the more, all the more important to focus and to be ready and to get your mind in the game to face the obstacles in the race and not be sidetracked on the unimportant stuff right before the race starts. Does that make sense? Someone say amen. When the official says, on your mark, you gotta be getting ready. That's not the time when you hear, on your mark, you know, that is not the time to say, yeah, I think, we're gonna, I think I'll have a new, I think I'm gonna change shoes. Yeah, it's, uh, uh, can you hold on a minute? I need to change shoes. These are not comfy enough, and uh, it's, a, it's a tough race out there. Get set. I mean, you know, you listen, this is going to be, no, 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 no. On your mark isn't time to try to change your shoes. You, you got to get on your mark at that point. It's, it's, a not, it's not time to ask for, can I, wait, can I get a scrunchie for my hair? I got to pull. <laughs> I don't use scrunchies for my hair, you know. Now, back when I was in college, Totally different story. <laughs> Don't, that, now, then is not the time. I didn't, by the way, I didn't. Uh, but I could have. Uh, then, <laughs> then when you're on the mark, that's not the time to think, wow, I should have practiced more. I think maybe I could get a little extra practice in. No, 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 no it's too late. You're on the mark. You, know, you got to get ready here. No, no, steely mind, focused, you must get on that line and prepare to race. Are you on your mark? Are you on your mark? You can't be in somebody else's lane, or you can't be in the drive through line at Wendy's, okay? When you hear on your mark, you can't be, oh, hold on, I've just been delayed in the drive through line at Wendy's. Listen, there's nothing, nothing wrong with Wendy's. My point is, is that when it's time, you got to be ready for your race. You can't be distracted by five million other things. On your mark, do you see, I'm going to be moving over here, do you see athletes when they have a, when they have a, a, a race and they're, and they're track athletes, what they do, man, when you, they say on your mark, what do they do? They put their fingers right at the edge of the line, man. They, are, they, they just go right to the edge, of, and that's their mark, right, on your mark. And, and they just get right up to it. They are steely focused, ready, laser, just, just absolutely getting ready for that, for that race. They are on their mark. On, you got to be on the track ready to run if, if you are in a race. And then there's, of course, after on your mark is get set. <laughs> getting set, man, that's even more on the edge. You're ready. you you, you got to be ready at that point. On your mark, you know, they there and they say get set, and that's usually when the that's usually when the track athletes then, you know, on your mark, get set that's when the athletes whoop, put up the tuchus. I don't know what the tuchus uh, lift is for. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that's the technical way to say it, but uh <laughs> you understand. I'm not gonna get into that anymore. Okay, but the point is, is that the get set, man, they're totally getting ready. They're, they're getting into their final position, getting literally, you're about to take off and you should get in the position you need to get in the, uh, so that you have the most momentum moving forward. 
That's the position you get, and you see it with the skiers too. You know, I mean, uh, it's interesting. You hear they may not use the words, but they've got these little beeping sounds when the skier's about to go down the hill, and and they get their 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 ski poles and they put them in front of the little thing that they have to push to start the clock. And then when they are getting ready to go, on your mark, get set. And then it goes beep, beep, beep. And they say, okay, it's time to go. And they, and they kind of cock themselves back almost like a gun. They cock themselves back up, kind of leaning back, and then boom, they take off, right? But, but that's, that's the on your mark, get set. That's when they are getting set. First Samuel chapter 17, I want to show you something that's very interesting, I think, from the scriptures that hopefully will speak to you wherever you are in whatever area you may need it in. It's the story of David and Goliath. You've heard it a million times. I have too. There's something new I want to show you in this story that the Lord just kind of drew out in me as as I was thinking about it and considering this whole concept here. Let's Let's look very closely, look with me if you will, very closely at the progression of David's actions. This is what I want to do. We're not going to read the whole story. Okay, I want us to look at the progression of David's actions. First, you have to know, of course, as a little bit of background, David, who was a teenager at the time, was visiting the front line where his brothers and all of the Israeli army were cowering in fear before the giant Goliath who was spewing filth about Israel and her God. So here was Goliath, came down to the middle of the valley, fee-fi-fo-fum, I smell the blood of an Israeli bum. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, and, and so, the, so Goliath's out there, the, you know, Denny and Kathy are like, we're going to be leaving soon. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> okay, so there, there is Goliath out there, and you can see all the Israeli soldiers, uh, you know, and in that time, they're IDF, right? They're like, you go, and I'm not going, I'm going to fight him, I'm going to fight He said, send me someone to fight. He was a giant, send me somebody to fight. Come on, let's go, you know, and then he was, defying the God of Israel and the Israelites really in a bad way. And David, who was a teenager bringing supplies up to his brothers at the front, he wasn't even old enough to get in the army, he heard the Goliath and he was straight up offended. He was offended. Verse 26 of 1 Samuel 17. What does David say? David says in the second half of the verse, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine? that he should defy the ranks of the living God. Ooh, David. Ooh, Stacy David was serious, wasn't he? Man, I'm telling you what, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the ranks of the living God? Friends, at that moment, at that moment, at that moment, David realizes this is his race. This is his race. It's his battle to fight. He realizes at this moment as he's up there on the front, he didn't come looking for it. He wasn't expecting it. He wasn't planning on coming up to the front line to fight or to show up his brothers or anything like that. He was just coming up bringing supplies like his dad told him to do. He's a teenage, young teenager. He wasn't, but, but the moment that he heard that Philistine spew his filth. David was like, what? And you could sense this rising up in him. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who would defy the the ranks of of the living God of Israel? Woof, right there, boom. It was like imparted to him. You could tell, this is my race. 
This is my fight. Wow. And so what happened? David was sent to King Saul. They said, whoa, boy, this guy's got some chutzpah. Okay, let's send him to King Saul. Maybe he can sacrifice himself for us, more or less. But you see, David, friends, he had already been practicing. David had already been practicing. Even though David was just then getting in this race, he had, al- he had already been practicing. We just, he didn't know what he was practicing for. Verse 34, but David said to Saul, your servant has been tending his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it, struck it down, and rescued the lamb out of its mouth. If it rose up against me, I grabbed him by its fur, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. So this uncircumcised Philistine will become like one of them since he has defied the ranks of the living God. Then David said, Adonai, who has delivered me from the paw of this lion and from the paw of the bear, will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Man, man. David had been preparing for this race. He had been preparing for this battle, even though he didn't even know it. Guess what, my friends? God prepares you for things even well before you know what it is that he's preparing you for. He's preparing you even before you know what it is that he's preparing you for. I remember years ago when I was uh, kind of in my upper teens and then my early 20s. <clears throat> I remember in my, in my mid-teens, I was working for good old K. Roger. Man, yeah, there was nothing like working for K. Roger. I loved, that's Kroger, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and and, and may, as may be a little bit immediately evident, I worked in the bakery. I still carry some of those eclairs with me today, okay? I, I, still, <laughs> I still have some of the bakery, Kroger bakery in me. Wow, I could decorate a cake. It was always so interesting when, uh, and by decorate, I could, I could really write on a cake. I had a pretty, I got to get a good, good icing handwriting on a cake. But I was like, I don't know, 16 at the time. It was always interesting when you had these people, customers come in and say, uh, yes, because I usually closed because I was a teenage guy. They, the morning people did all the heavy lifting or and all. I was just kind of there. And, and they'd come and say, uh, yes, I'd like the quarter sheet cake. Oh, okay, sure. Uh, and yes, can, uh, I'd like something written on it. Happy birthday, Julie. Okay, sure, I'd be happy to do that. And I, and I always, I didn't realize it at the time, but looking back, I always look at me like, uh, uh, and sometimes I'd say, uh, 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 is, is there anybody else who can write on the cake? <laughs> and it was like everybody just assumed the 16-year-old dude is going to look terrible. <laughs> it's so funny. I'm re- I can't tell you how many times people would hesitate. And, 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 but usually the Southern politeness, they wouldn't say anything. But every once in a while, you had the New Yorkers who moved down. And they would say, like, is there somebody else who can ride on this cake? You know, they didn't give me a chance, man. You know, I was listening. I'm a, I know I'm a 16-year-old. So anyway, but you know, I'd write that cake, whew, fancy and calligraphy with script and everything. Not calligraphy. You, you understand. They were like, oh, okay. They were happy. I, got, I couldn't write on a cake. That's the limit of my baking prowess. Has nothing to do with the message. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> however, from there, I started making these announcements uh, that on the intercom system at Kroger. Attention, Kroger shoppers. Why? Because it was late in the afternoon. Everybody else in the bakery had already left. It was just me. And the manager, senior managers had left. It was just kind of the assistant manager there. And I thought, 
Let me have some fun, man. I'm just, I want to have some fun. <laughs> you all know me. Uh, attention Kroger, I put on that radio voice as much as I, uh, attention Kroger shoppers. The bakery is now offering ice cream cakes for only $4.99. That's right, come by the bakery. And I'd make these announcements and eventually I started doing characters and bakery man and I don't know, it was, oh man, it was crazy stuff. And, and just more and more, you know, come get our sandwich buns. They're excellent, you know, whatever. And, and, and then one day I did something really crazy, voices and voice characters. I was just on the, the telephone in the bakery doing this stuff live over the whole Kroger store. It was on the intercom. It was fun. And, and so, but then one day I did a big, big announcement and, and, and then I hung up and I was feeling pretty good about myself. And then I saw the assistant manager making a beeline for me at the bakery. And I, yeah, exactly, that was totally Kathy. I was totally my reaction. I thought, wow, I guess this is what it looks like to be fired. I, you know, I, was, <laughs> I was just, I just figured that's what was going on. And he came up to me. I, I'll never forget Mr. Mr. Weir was his name. Mr. Weir came up and he came up. He said, and then he said, who just made those announcements? And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm the only one in the bakery. I'm the only one there. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, uh, what, 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 what announcements? Uh, <laughs> it's like one of my, you know, you're, you're trying to come up with, and I said, oh, that, that was me, Mr. Weird. Do you want me to stop making them? And he was like, you made those announcements? And I said, oh, yes, sir. And he's like, uh, we have a machine upstairs in the office where you can record announcements. Can you do that for the seafood department? <laughs> I promise you, and I'm like, uh, 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 yeah, sure, sure. I'm thinking that was a total change in my mind. I thought I was going, I'll never forget that moment. And he said, okay, come on up, I'll show it to you. And I'm like, oh, okay, the baker, he said, leave it. And so we went up to the office and he said, just record this and they'll play like every five minutes. You can do one for the seafood, one for the bakery, one for produce. And you can just every, you know, and it'll just go all day, all night. They'll just be recorded. I'm like, oh, okay. And so thereafter, for like, you know, I don't know, a couple years, every time I walked, anybody walked into the Kroger, it was me. <laughs> uh, attention, Kroger shoppers. <laughs> the, the good Jewish boy. Get your lobster for only $16.99 a pound. <laughs> Whatever it was. <laughs> I wasn't touching or eating this stuff, y'all. Come on, you know. But still, it was a gig. And so... <laughs> So I did this, this, all this announcing stuff. Well, fast forward, what happens is, is that there's a local believing radio station in the area, and they needed a weekend disc jockey. And they knew that I'd done all this radio. They heard me at Kroger's. <laughs> and, so, and so they contacted the general manager and said, hey, you may want to check out this guy. And he calls me up out of the blue and says, you're interested in coming in for an interview to be on the radio. And I said, well, sure. I'd be more than happy to. <laughs> and that began my radio career where I was on the radio for many, many years and, uh, and had a lot of fun. And, and the radio work was just fantastic because you learn how to speak. You learn how to speak extemporaneously. You learn how to fill in gaps. You, you have to uh, communicate well. Well, little did I know the Lord was preparing me well for this. 
Sometimes this is what the Lord does. He'll prepare you even though you don't know he's preparing you. Let's continue the story. Verse 38. On your mark. On your mark, King David. On your mark. Then Saul clothed David with his own garb, put a bronze helmet on his head, and clothed him in armor. David strapped his sword on his garment and tried to walk, but he was not used to it. So David said to Saul, I cannot walk in these things, for I'm not used to them. So David took them off. Okay, what happens here, friends? It was on your mark, but what happened? There was a distraction that was right there when he, when he was about to go, when the, when the race was about to start. I'm coming over here. So what happens is, is that there he is, there's King David, and, and he's getting ready, and Saul's like, okay, you want me to send you into battle? Better you than me, kid. You know, he's just a little kid. It says he was small. And here's King Saul, about whom the scripture says that he looked like a king. He was big, he was surely big, tall, strong. And then here was this little teenager. And Saul says, okay, you take my armor, kid. And, and, and okay, so they strap it on to, to David. This is when he was a young teenager. Big King Saul's armor and this big stuff, it surely had to weigh 50 pounds and his big sword and, and all the armor that was on him, and he was walking around, and clunk, clank, clank, clank. It's almost like a movie, and everything didn't fit him. You know, that was longer, I'm sure. And he's like, you know, no, 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 I, I can't do this. I, I can't do I can't even walk around. I can't even walk around like this. I can't, I can't do this. And what happened, you see, it was on your mark. It was on your mark. It wasn't quite get set, but it was on your mark. And, and here it was, the adversary was trying to distract David from his actual race that he needed to race. See, he, he hadn't practiced with all this stuff. He wasn't prepared with all this stuff. No, no, no. He had enough. He had what God already gave him to prepare him for the battle that he was in, or was about to be in. You understand? The Lord had already prepared him. He didn't need all this other stuff that he thought that he needed, that it only made sense that he needed. It only made sense he needed armor. He's about to fight Goliath, this giant of a guy with all of his armor. It only made sense that he needed all that armor and the giant helmet and the, the, the sword of the king, King Saul. But he didn't need that. You see what happened here? The adversary was trying to distract David from the race. He was trying to get David off of his game right before the start of the race. Now was not the time to try out this new heavy armor, no. The official is about to start the race. You're ready. You gotta be ready. Listen, my beloved, you're ready. You're ready. What God has in store for you, he has prepared you for. What God has in store for you, he has prepared you for. My father used to say, God does not call the qualified, he qualifies the called. You may not think you're ready to share with your pre-believing family. I don't know enough. I may not. It may not be so obvious that you have the moxie to ask for the raise at work. <laughs> Others may not know if you're ready to go back to school as an adult or to get that new job or to be the parent that you know you need to be. But whatever you lack, God will take it from there. He would not put you in the race unless you could win. 
If you understand this, beloved, this is very profound principle here. Keep your hand in Samuel, but glance here at Exodus 14. The children of Israel were at the Red Sea with Pharaoh's army approaching. They had already had the, the 10 plagues, but yet still they were at the Red Sea. There was the sea and Pharaoh's army was approaching to take them back to Egypt or to slaughter them. These were not trained soldiers. These were slaves who had never taken up a, a sword in their lives. How could they possibly be expected to win? They have no chance. How could they even survive for that matter? But Exodus 14, verse 13, then Moses said to the people, they were freaking out. He said to the people, don't be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of Adonai, which he will perform for you today. You have seen the Egyptians today, but you will never see them again ever. Adonai will fight for you while you hold your peace. Get set. Get set. You see, they did their part and then God took over from there. They needed to stand still with peace. They needed to stand still with shalom. That doesn't mean that the race will always be easy. It oftentimes is not. Sometimes the race is arduous, hard, wearisome. But when you're on that starting block, you need to hold your peace. You know somebody who's at the starting block at the Olympics, one of the most amazing things when they're on that track and they're all up there on your mark, get set, get set. And they all you know, crouch up and they're ready to go. And in that moment, in the whole stadium, it's silent. And there's no movement among any of the athletes there at the starting block. I was there in the 96 Olympics when Michael Johnson ran this 400 with those golden shoes and got the gold medal. I'll never forget it. I was in the stadium. And there it was, man, this guy, as fast as, as the fastest human being in the, in the world, on the face of the planet. But in that moment, with get set, there he was as still as, as, a, as a church mouse and as quiet as a church mouse. He was still. You see, he, he had, if you will, held his peace, getting ready for the race that was about to happen very, then, then is not the time to sway about and to start talking to your neighbors. Hey, boy, you're in lane four. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> no. Now's, now's not the time. You know, I think I'm going to take a little nap here. He said, get set. I'm going to take a little nap. No, no. Now's not the time to walk around. No, 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 no. You have to be ready. Get set on your mark. Get set. You see, get set, my friends. Back to 1 Samuel 17 as we prepare to close. King David did not need that armor. And actually it would hinder him. What did he need to get set in the moment before the gun went off and the battle started? What did he need to do to get set? It's very interesting. It was something very small that he needed to do in that very last moment. This is in the last moment before the confrontation starts. The last verse, right before he confronts Goliath, verse 40, this is his get set moment. What does he do? Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the valley, put them in the pocket of his shepherd's bag that he had, and with a sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Mm. Get set. In order to get set, David gathered the stones 
that he knew he would need. He did not come to that location, the Valley of Elah, thinking that he was going to have to fight. But he got a plan. He had a plan. That with the sling and the Lord on his side was all that David needed. That's all that he needed. Because once he did this, the gun went off and the confrontation started. That was his, that was his get set moment. Let me get these stones because it's time to take care of some business. Beloved, we're getting ready to take some ground. I'm telling you, we are getting ready to take some ground. But it will require for you to get on your mark and get set. It necessitates you getting even more dedicated to God, all of us. It will require us to start sharing actively with others about the synagogue. It will require you to be more faithful in your time, your talents, your tithes. It will require you volunteering and giving of yourself more without complaint, but with joy, besimcha. It will require you making yourself a living sacrifice for Yeshua. It necessitates you putting away the things that distract you from your calling, especially sin. It requires you gathering your five smooth stones and getting ready to face the giant. And such may be the case in your personal life as well. With confidence and steely focus, the title of my message is On Your Mark, Get Set. Let's bow our heads. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for that, Lord. Whew. I want to ask if there's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart, if that's you. How about today? If that's you and you've never committed your life to God, never received Yeshua as your Messiah, but you'd like to, wherever you are, raise your hand and we'll have a simple prayer. If you've never committed your life to God, but you want to, say yes to Yeshua as your Messiah. If that's you, just raise your hand, be honest. If you want to do that. If you're watching online, just repeat this simple prayer after me. Dear God, I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Forgive me my sins. God, I'm sorry. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God. If you said that prayer, please send us an email because you need to acknowledge it before a man. And if you're here, please talk to me after the service. Thank you, Lord. It's the best decision you ever made. We want to celebrate with you. No better decision than to follow God. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us. I pray for our congregation, God. It's just, to me, this has been something that's been just building within me. And I think within our mishpacha. Lord, I, I think that we're getting ready to, to, to start taking some real ground here. 
And, uh, and Lord, I pray for our congregation that we will be on our mark. God, not somebody else's mark. Not First Baptist, First Assembly of God, or anybody else's mark. That's their mark. They have their mark, okay? Our mark. We got to, in, in the lane that God has assigned us to, Lord, let's get on our mark. And many of, and many of you, he's assigned you to it also. This is, the, this is the lane he's assigned you to. Get on your mark. You got to get on your mark. You know. And then we have to get set. Lord, let us get set. Lord, let us not be distracted by that which so easily distracts us. Whether it be sin, whether it be ourself. And Lord, really, this all goes, although I'm applying it here for Bethel, for sure, it applies to our lives too. Lord, there are areas in our lives where we need to get on our mark and get set. Because why? Because we're too distracted with other stuff. We're not doing what you've really called us to do. I'm not even talking about big things. I'm talking about when you get up in the morning. I'm talking about reading your word. I'm talking about praying. I'm talking about sharing with your neighbors. I'm talking about cleaning up stuff that shouldn't be in your lexicon, okay? Why? Because all that stuff distracts you from the race. Criticism, anger, lust, depression, whatever these things are, Lord, that discourage us, Lord. We, we, need, to, we need to get on, your, on our mark and get set. Lord, we need to get set steely focused. God, what do you have for us to do? We want to serve you, Lord. We want to present ourselves as a living sacrifice to you, Lord. Let us not complain. Let us not, but with joy, consider all that you've done for us and what we can do for you. What do you have for us to do today, Lord? God, in the morning when you wake up, God, what do you have for me to do today? Man, you're, you're getting on your mark if, you're, if that's your attitude. If that's what you wake up with, you're getting on your mark early. God, what do you have for me to do today? It's, it's, I'm not talking about being a missionary to some foreign country. I'm talking about, God, what do you have for me to do today? That's getting on your mark right away, you see? Get set when you're set. Getting set's probably spending some time in prayer or reading your word. And you're getting ready for that gun to go off, whatever it is. And same thing here at Bethel. We, we got we to gotta finish getting ready. I really sense that we're getting ready. I thank you for this, Lord. I thank you for our mishpacha and for what you're doing. I pray your blessings. And I ask these things in the name of the Messiah, Yeshua, we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah, or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org. Or call 770-641-3000. 
If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom. Nine, 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 nine.